you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast, ending on a high note. Stocks surge into the close as a Fed governor tells our Steve Leisman that rates could be pretty close to the right level to get inflation under control. Coming up, we'll dive into the market's next move. Plus, an earnings edition of Traded or Faded. We've got pharma, defense, transportation, and a once mighty electric company on our list. Buckle up for this battle royale. And later, Goldman's less than golden week from an earnings disaster to a slumping stock to reports now of a probe by the Federal Reserve will go inside the battered brokerage firm. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq Market Site on the desk tonight. Courtney Garcia, Dan Nathan, Jeff Mills, and Steve Grosso. We start off with a Fed-fueled late-day rally on Wall Street. The S&P climbing nearly 2%, closing around its highs of the day. The Dow up more than 330 points, both indices snapping a three-day losing streak. The Nasdaq leading the pack, surging more than 2.5%. Those gains helping the tech-heavy index notch its third straight week in the green. The rally coming after Fed Governor Christopher Waller said he favors a quarter-point rate hike at the central bank's next meeting. He added that we may be, quote, pretty close to where rates are sufficiently restrictive to control inflation. So does this erase any doubt the markets may have had over the Fed's path forward? Dan, what was what was the rally all about? Well, your view? I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think it was pretty much a consensus. Uh, the CME FedWatch tool had it at nearly 100 percent probability that there was going to be a 25 basis mm-hmm. point hike. And so, again, I, I think what's really interesting about the setup here is that, you know, we had really bad sentiment after a really bad year of returns in the stock market. We had the dollar coming off. We had yields coming off. We had the high yield index coming up. We had the VIX going um, below 20. All of these things are a great ingredient for stocks, especially this early um, in the year. That doesn't make me bullish. It doesn't make me want to chase a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff that I think has rallied 10, 20, some instances even 30 percent are not really high quality things. I think they're good things that are going to do really badly in a higher rate environment. So just because we have a lot of Fed governors telling us that we might be close to being done raising the Fed funds rate, that doesn't mean that all of this tightening um, economic activity that we've had on the monetary side is not going to weigh on growth and it's not going to weigh on valuation. So to me, I just think that, like, let's get another week or two of earnings in the tank here and see what these companies have to say before we want to chase things too far. And we don't have the full effect of the Fed rate hikes yet. We don't have the full effect of QT quite yet either at the same time, if we are close to sufficiently restrictive, then we're closer to starting that period of higher for longer. Mm-hmm. And this this area right here doesn't seem so bad for the markets. Correct. Yeah. And I, I do think you made a lot of really good points here, right? Which the, what the markets want to see is the Fed saying they're, they're going to stop raising interest rates. And I think you're getting that today. There's actually been several Fed speakers this week who have all alluded to that, which is really going to be a great thing for the stock markets. But that is a good point. That doesn't necessarily mean rates are coming down. And this higher for longer rate environment is still going to weigh on things like your growth sectors. And so you do want to make sure that you're still being strategic about where you're investing this year. So yes, I don't want to mistake. This is a great sign that we're seeing this, um, but still be careful where you're investing. Maybe we've been writing off growth for debt too soon. Soon, or for too long, Jeff Mills. I mean, take a look at Netflix and the surprise it delivered last night. Take a look at Alphabet announcing it's going to cut a bunch of jobs, and the stock rallied on the back of that news. I mean, maybe maybe companies are actually right-sizing in terms of spending, in terms of headcount for this environment. And if this environment is the environment that will stick around for a while because we are close to sufficiently restrictive, maybe things aren't so bad for growth. 
So I think part of that is true, Mel, and I've been talking about that quality growth trade for a little while. I've, I've clearly been early, but you know, going back to my fame trade, I have Amazon and Meta in there, and I think that's part of the story. You know, I think a lot of these layoffs are, are probably priced in. So you have these companies with high free cash flow. They're, they're, uh, they're nicely profitable. I think those are companies that could actually surprise some people this year. But back to the Fed, you know, I still think you know, whether we're kind of close, it, it depends on what your definition of that is. I still think we get a few more 25 basis point rate hikes. That takes us just above 5% thereabouts. Uh, and then you stay there for a while. We mentioned that. And you have core services, X Shelter, still annualizing at around 5%. This is something Powell mentioned specifically in his last press conference is something that they're watching. And we said this last week, but the market and the Fed continue to get further and further apart relative to the path of rates in the second half of the year. So I think that could be a potential challenge. And lastly, I think this setup coming into this earnings season, I think Dan and I agree, maybe just saying it a different way, uh, I think is somewhat challenging. You had that VIX kind of fall off a cliff down to 17, 18, sort of the lowest level since the beginning of last year. And then you had a lot of really big rallies. It's not just the S&P, but you had banks and semis and some of these retail names. I mean, look at Nordstrom up 20% over the last month. Macy's up almost 60% since the October low. And all of this is into technical resistance when you're finally starting to see a downshift in demand in some of these earnings reports. I'll just quickly mention P&G, a 5% increase in sales but a 10% increase in prices. And that's what's driving a lot of these earnings still. I think that comes off over the next couple of quarters. Yeah. So Grasso, what is your take? Because I mean, as as Jeff had mentioned, the setup, it gets more difficult the more the markets churn higher. And here we are in the precipice of the biggest couple of weeks of earnings season. Yeah, so let's let's take it back from today. Today we closed above the 200-day moving average in the S&P. So let's see if we if that's not just a blink of an eye because that's what it's been in the recent past. The other thing is where 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 Dan started out earnings. If you look at whether it's going to be a soft or a hard hard landing, we need to know how the earnings actually reflect that one way or another. Netflix gave the bulls a little bit of a tailwind today. The Fed closer to pausing or I guess I shouldn't say pausing, right? So I I guess lowering it from 50 to 25 basis points. But you know the sick thing about the market is the market will read that pause or that coming down from 50 to 25 as they're closer to cutting. And and, and whether or not you say, okay, it's going to be higher for longer, the truth is we are, the longer we get in this cycle, we are actually closer to cutting no no matter how you feel about the market. And the market always prices in the future. The market's always six to eight months ahead. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I think if earnings start to get slammed, the market falls out of bed. But what I do think is that we're making investors feel a lot more comfortable with their higher growth names. And as long as they continue to cut jobs and as long as they continue to prepare for a slower market, that might give the bulls and investors a little bit of a respite from the onslaught that we've seen recently. All right, we've got to get now to the latest developments on the Tesla shareholder lawsuit against Elon Musk and his funding secure tweet. Musk taking the stand in San Francisco within the last hour, uh, but now pause until Monday. Let's get to Steve Kovacs, who's been following all of this. Steve. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Mel, uh, Musk gave about 30 minutes of testimony, and like you said, he'll be back on the stand Monday. But so far, a lot of the questioning from the attorneys for the investor side who are suing him over this 
they asked him, like, basically, do you understand the nature of your tweets and the impact your tweets can have on markets? For example, they asked him about the funding secure tweet. When you tweet something like that, do you understand that can cause the prices to move? And Musk said, well, not really. There's not necessarily a correlation, according to him. He thinks, for example, he pointed to that other famous tweet of his saying Tesla stock is too high. If you remember, he tweeted that one time. And he said, well, when I tweeted that, you would expect it to go down. But actually, the stock went up. And therefore, my tweets don't have any correlation to what the market does. But that's not what the lawyers are discussing here, Mel. They're asking him, do you understand that your tweets can move the markets? And that seems to be the the contention so far. Uh, Lawyers also asking him, do you uh, recall several high name investors, including Ron Barron, telling you back in 2018, hey, cool it on Twitter. Stop tweeting for a bit so we can get everything under control. Remember, Tesla is going through a tough time. And then and also, of course, he took a shot at short sellers saying he believes short selling should be illegal. And Mel, we'll have a lot more for you when he takes the stand again on Monday. All right, Steve, thanks, Steve Kovac. Pretty uh, ironic line of questioning, you know, asking the owner of Twitter now if he knows about the impact that Twitter can have on a stock price, Dan. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We spent a lot of time talking about this. This was a few years ago now. It's amazing that we're still talking about it. It is ironic now that that, that he owns the platform. But this is about securities law, and it's really about nothing else. And he can say whatever he wants. And I I think that that is logical, his response to that lawyer's question. But it's about securities law. He's already paid fines and that sort of stuff. So to me, this is a bit of a sideshow here. But it might set some precedent for him as he owns this thing right now going forward. All right, let's get more on where Tesla's stock is going. Uh, Carter Braxton Worth, or Worth Charting, is over by the plasma with a look at the charts. Carter. Let's jump right in. First of all, great job by graphics. Shout out to CNBC department. This is a fantastic instance of what you want to see, which is high, low, and close daily bar charts. Now, there are no drawings, no annotations, no judgments. Let's put some in. Here we go. First chart change. What do we have? We have a well-defined trend line, and that warrants putting in some circles. And what do we know? We have just now moved above the trend line, which is to say it deserves a green arrow. Let's put in some more lines. Keep that trend line in. And what do we have? We have all the elements of a minor head and shoulders bottom. Get the green arrow again. Finally, last way to draw the lines, you can call it a cup and handle. It doesn't matter what you call it. A reversal formation is a reversal formation. And so an important development. The low was 101 and change. It closed at uh, 133 today, up about 30% from its low. I think 155 plus minus is in the cards. And this is purely a Tesla-specific story, correct, Carter? This has nothing to do with where you see the markets going over I mean, the same period. Exactly. I mean, Tesla is sinking when rates are going up, sinking when rates are going down. It's surging. It has nothing to do with it. Sometimes a stock gets oversold or overbought, and a counter trend move, down or up, is in the cards. This counter trend move is well underway, and I think it continues. Carter, thanks. We'll see you shortly in Options Action. Grasso, what do you make of this chart? Yeah, I love the chart. I, you know, this is something where I saw the same level, but I saw I, he sees it a little bit higher than me. I, I see it as 150. Uh, is very likely. And if I broaden that out, obviously technicals are once you get over a certain level, then it's more likely to go in that same direction. I definitely see 150. I could be wrong, but that's what I see. And then the follow up with that would be 180 and then 200. And then you're, you're closing that gap from this most recent slide. But the, the feeling has gotten so consensus negative that I think the market's set up to hurt the most amount of people at the same time, and that's what's going on with Tesla. Well, it feels like maybe the fundamental story caps 
the stock move higher. I mean, we are going to hear more about how those price cuts that were just unveiled will impact margins, will impact profitability, Courtney. Um, maybe it spurs sales, but it will be at a cost to some degree. Yeah, and I, I do think I, I get the idea here that it is oversold. It likely is at a point that we could see a short-term bounce here. It is something, too, I mean, we are seeing they're having demand issues right now, which I think is going to be something that's a little longer term. We are seeing, I mean, this is just in headlines today, but we're talking about um, Elon Musk's tweets. He had a tweet last year that said, oh, I'm done selling Tesla stock. Now we found out he just sold a bunch more in December. And so I think you're going to have a lot of those kind of shorter term issues with this. Um, and it, I, I still think it's going to be overvalued here. So maybe short term, it's a trade. Longer term, it's really nothing I'm touching. All right. Coming up with earnings season ramping up. It is more than just big tech on deck. We'll play a little game of trade it or fade it with some other major players set to report next week. Plus, Goldman's rough week and earnings miss layoffs and now an investigation by the Fed. More details ahead. Fast Money's back in two. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings season is ramping up. Next week isn't quite the busiest of the season, but it's pretty close. Big names like Johnson & Johnson, Lockheed Martin, General Electric, and many more out with results. So we thought this would be a perfect time to play a little game of... Trade it or fade it! That's right. Trade it or fade it, America's favorite game. Let's kick things off with Johnson & Johnson. Uh, Courtney, do you trade it or fade it? Uh, I would trade this. I mean, I do think your pharmaceuticals and specifically Johnson & Johnson does continue to look attractive with some of the drugs that are in their pipeline now and what ex what's expected to come out next year. And I think on top of that, you are seeing um, their consumer health business. They are spinning off later this year, which has been a drag on their earnings. And I think that's going to continue to see some strong growth moving forward. Steve Grasso? I'd fade this one. And, and they do have uh, other drugs in the pipeline, but they're going to be facing some generic competition What's going, which is going to crimp profits. The vaccine business, which they've had problems with, is now an international story, not a domestic story. And there's absolutely zero to be positive on the stock when you look at the technicals. It's below all of its moving averages currently. I don't see really anything to be optimistic about. I'd be a fader of this one. All right, Lockheed Martin. Jeff Mills, trade it or fade it? 
Yeah, so I, I'd fade this one. You know, I think last year was basically all tailwinds for defense names. You had Lockheed outperforming by 50% or so. Uh, the valuation is definitely not crazy even after that, but I just think a lot of the good news is known, and now you have some potential headwinds, really no budget increases to defense spending between now and, say, 2024, maybe even some cuts, probably not to defense, but even the possibility of that, if that's on the table, could be an overhang for this stock. And I just think generally, if you look at stocks right now that are dependent on government spending. They've been lagging the S&P 500. My fear is, is that that continues with a stock like Lockheed. So I would fade it as it flirts with that 200-day moving average. Dan, trade it or fade it? Yeah, I, I'd trade this one. I mean, I think you probably have a shot maybe back towards that $500 level that was the previous high here. And I think Jeff makes a lot of great points. And, and the most of one is just valuation. I think in this market, trying to find reasonable valuation with I, what I think are reasonable tailwinds. I think the idea that there's a headwind about uh, companies that are dependent on government spending, I think that makes perfect sense here. But um, to me, I'd probably like... Like, I, I like the value here. I think that this one makes sense. All right. Um, next up, General Electric. Steve, trade it or fade it? So this one I would trade, but I would keep it on a tight stop. And I would look at the, the, uh, the 50-day moving average of this one. So it's a couple of dollars a little bit lower than where, I'm sorry, the 200-day moving average, which is right at 75.61. It's a couple of, uh, couple of dollars lower than where it is currently. Recently, they spun off their healthcare unit and the stock cratered. Now it popped a back above uh, the 200-day uh, the moving average. So I'm not so convicted with a traded on this one, but I would use a very tight stop if you want to play it from the long side. Jeff Mills, trade or fade? Yeah, so I think we sort of agree. I'm going to say fade it, and a lot of it has to do with the price action, that 70% move since the October low, now being 26% above the 200-day. It failed at that previous support level, which was around 80. So I think regardless of what you think of the business or the healthcare spinoff, I just think in the near term, it probably trades lower. And then looking out a little bit further toward the end of the year, you know, it's not historically a great performer during recession. So I would just steer clear of this one. All right. And Boeing. Dan, trade it or fade it? Yeah, into the print. I'd fade this one. It's had a huge move here. And if you're going to look, start looking at this company on 2024 earnings and sales, I got to tell you, they're still not back to their 2018 peak as far as consensus is concerned, um, as far as re uh, revenues are concerned. And then, you know, the earnings, I mean, it's going to take them a whole heck of a lot of time to get back to that $16.5 number on 2024 earnings, trading about 31 times here. So to me, I think it's kind of expensive, had a big run. I would not be a buyer into the print. Courtney? Um, I would trade this. I think even if the price is at, it's really getting, um, people are assuming it's not going to get back to where it was pre-pandemic, but realistically, you're seeing business travel, international travel is coming back, and the airlines are putting in orders for the MAX and the 737 because they need those fuel-efficient planes. They need to meet demand. And I think it's very promising to see how much their free cash flow improved. It's about $1.4 billion after large losses in 2021, and I think they really have some room to run here. All right, we have time for a bonus round. It's your lucky day, folks. Uh, Verizon, General Mills, trade it or fade it? So I'm going to trade this one. I just think it's been sold to death. There's nice support around 37. It's got that 7% dividend yield. So I just think the risk reward is good. Solid free cash flow, solid profitability. So this one for at least a trade. Now, remember out there, there are only four days left to vote for your favorite 2023 trader acronym. Jeff shamelessly plugged his fame trade once again tonight. Um, but are you vibing with Courtney's pick, Vibe? Are you looking for fame with the general? We want to know TSLQ. With, I mean, the list goes on and on. All the choices on the homepage. You can pick your favorite three. You can vote more than once or even twice. So I heard. 
Head on over to CNBC.com slash Fast Money. Scan the QR code on your screen right now to go vote. Polls close at the end of our show Tuesday, January 24th. Coming up, Goldman Sachs is terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week. What is giving the big bank the blues? The details in the trade next. You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Goldman Sachs shares dropping two and a half percent today in a report that the Federal Reserve is investigating the bank's consumer business. The central bank looking at whether the bank's Marcus unit had proper safeguards as it ramped up consumer lending. Earlier in the week, Goldman reported a major earnings miss in part because of the rapid expansion of its consumer arm. Goldman, the worst performing Dow component today and for the week, shares are down more than eight and a half percent since Tuesday. Um, Jeff, what do you make of this news? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a big fan of the banks. I think we all know that, so I I won't beat that dead horse again. But I just think for Goldman, this is just yet another overhang. And I think after the earnings report, you know, they they probably bit off a little bit more than they can chew. So it's likely a year of retrenchment, I think. You probably see some balance sheet reduction. You see some expense cutting, maybe scaling back some of their offerings. So for the stock, I just think it means it chops around for a while. So I don't think you can really get too excited about it until you get past some of those issues. I mean, it seems like the misstep into consumer banking was just made worse. They, they went too far too fast, Courtney, and they may have done it to the point where it raises regulatory concerns. Yeah, which is never something you want to hear with the banks, unfortunately. And, I, you know, I think we are likely going to be in this higher for longer rates in 2023, which actually should benefit a lot of the banks. But now when you have something like a Goldman Sachs and their consumer, spe- their consumer business isn't panning out, it's been a loss leader for them, and likely they're going to have to make some cuts there. Um, this is not one of the banks that I'll be touching. They're just a large uh, miss in earnings. And then this news, I just don't think this is going to look good for them moving forward. Grasso, we got a good look at the banks this week. So which one you like? Well, the J in my just trade, Melissa, happens to be JP Morgan. So we we could have a shameless plug with my acronym. We could also have a would you rather. Goldman Sachs's uh, chart doesn't look that appealing to me. And when you look at the JP Morgan chart, it's bouncing right now or should be bouncing right around its 50-day moving average. So for me, I'd stay that it's 134-ish level and JP Morgan as your, as, your, um, as your support. I would go with that. And I, you've heard me say it before. Since the financial crisis, JP Morgan, on every metric that you can overlay over a financial, has beaten every other financial company. So I would stay with that one. Um, so your, your acronym is at 21%. So you're leading the pack so far today, um, Grasso. It has been uh, speculated around that you've got a lot of children and maybe they're all out in the back behind that door um, that's behind you. Just voting, voting, voting. <laughs> <laughs> is that, what, is that what's happening He's putting his thumb on the there? scale. I have, I have a huge Sicilian family, Melissa. I can't, I can't confirm or deny that people are treating this like a video game at this point. So keep all those, keep all those shameless plugs coming from everybody yeah. else. I've got a bunch of people with vowels at the right. end of their name that don't like to lose. Four days left to vote. A final trade time in the meantime. Steve Brasso, what's your final trade? I'm going to go with Visa. Visa looks like it's keeping that ascending uh, trend line. So I like the chart. I like the company Visa. Mills. I'm glad this came to light. I want a full investigation on Grasso's uh, on voting for sure. Um, But sell Macy's. I think after the big run, you want to fade it here. Courtney. 
Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, um, I do think you're, we're talking a lot about growth, but I wouldn't get pulled into the growth trade here. I would, I like them. They're a big conglomerate, a lot of your value companies. I think it's a good play. Dan? Yeah, American Express. I'm a seller. Stick around for OA, options to action. Why I'm going to tell you be, how and why I'm going to do it. Because Dan's going to be on it. Tune in. That does it for us here on Fast, but as we mentioned, OA is up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.